Hey guys, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and this is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hey everybody, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and this is episode 250 of the Ask Gary V Show. Super excited, 250, nice round number. Makes sense to have superstar John Legend in the house. D-Rock, you're excited. Very excited. Souza, thanks for making this happen, John. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. Good to see Why don't you say to the zero people who don't know who you are <laughs> right now uh, a little bit of uh, who you are and what you're up to. We'll uh, get into some call-in and we'll jam a little bit. I'm just a kid from Ohio. I like to make music. Um, I have a wonderful wife named Chrissy Teigen. My daughter's name is Luna. And uh, I make music and other art for a living. So that's pretty much what I do. I love the humble answer. I know how you roll. John, before we get into the calls, and uh, Facebook, where's Facebook? Right there. Facebook, please put your phone number. Uh, let's go with music or entrepreneur or, or art questions for John and I. Please put your phone number. We'll be calling you in a second and you'll have a chance to talk to the legend. Uh, John, uh, because I know a little bit of your backstory and I think a lot of people do, I think so many people have been watching. I've been spending a lot of time with emerging artists, hip hop, uh, all, all forms of music over the last year or so on my platform. One of the biggest reasons, and we talked about this, we were just jamming a little bit with our friend Robert Souza, uh, like Chance uh, and others, direct to consumer. Yeah. You, you came up during a different era. Yeah, I came up in the era when people uh, needed a record deal. Pretty How to get discovered. To get discovered. They needed uh, a lot of investment early on, not just in recording costs, but in marketing costs. and and physical products had to be made to sell to people. And obviously things have changed quite a bit now. Very few people actually will buy a CD anymore. Very few people buy uh, vinyl anymore. And people are getting the music digitally and they're streaming and uh, there's a lot less need for record labels now. So you see with artists like Chance and Frank Ocean and other artists, um, people choosing to uh, circumvent the label and go straight to the consumer. How does a guy like you that sits at the tippy top of the game, you're, I mm. mean, you're real, you really won. It, you're in a different, right, an aspiring on, entrepreneur, musician says, okay, that's gonna be my path. I've gotten to know you a little bit. Uh, actually, I think this is a fun fact. We're in a building here, we just moved in. Mm. Boston Consulting Group is in this building. Yes. This is what you were doing. My first job out of college was at Boston Consulting I, I, you know, for the people, a lot of people know who you are, but I'm not sure a lot of people understand like kind of the skills you have outside of, of your music career. You're a smart dude, you had a, good, a great academic career which gives you the opportunity to work at a BCG. I know that you're smart and savvy and business-like, not just the artist. How do you think about the changing landscape where you have golden handcuffs by compare, right? I mean, I don't, I, you know, that's a way to look at it. I mean, you have real economics. Whereas when you're starting from zero, going direct to Instagram or Musical.ly sure. or uploading on SoundCloud uh, or Spotify is the only option, the natural option. You're in a very different small group well, of people looking at the landscape change. Well, uh, having success and having an audience is always gonna give you power. So yes. um, having an audience of you know almost 10 million followers on Twitter and you know six or seven million followers on Instagram, um, that gives you an opportunity to say no to whatever you want to say no to and say yes to what you want to say yes to and we all have choices and many of us are still signed to record labels because the record labels made us enough of an offer to buy out uh, the bank. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they gave us enough money to, for us to say well it's worth uh, staying in uh, with the record labels and they do have some expertise and some scale 
um, when it comes to marketing and some of the other things that they do, that it still makes it beneficial for us to work with them. And then you combine that with the fact that they buy us out and give us a good advance. And we say, well, here's the economics of doing this one way or doing it the other way. And a lot of us have chosen to stay with the record labels because of And, the, and to give you guys context, a lot of you talk about self-publishing. I was a free agent uh, six, seven months ago. I know DRock, you saw a lot of this negotiation that we never showed, but HarperCollins was able to do the same with me in the book, right? Yeah. They made it economically interesting that I decided not to self-publish just yet. Yeah. That, 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 and, and I think those big companies will continue to have that option. I think they're gonna have to make the deal sweeter and sweeter for the people that sit at the top exactly. of their craft. So we, we have a choice and they have to offer us enough value uh, in whatever deal we do with them for us to take uh, our independence off the table. Uh, or, or for us to at least uh, share yeah. some of the independence. And so they, they're making that offer and then we decide whether it's worth it. So I know you're, the, the touring is a big part of the world. Sure. Talk to me about, and I want to link this. Uh, we got to find where the links are. Well, the dates, your tours, no, no, don't tell me about touring. I know you're going to. Yeah, but johnlegend.com is the got best it, way great. to Got it, great. So let's out. link that up. Your tour's starting or started, or just about to start, right? It's just about to start. Where, where's uh, opening? First show's in Miami on May 12th. And right now we're just in rehearsals. So we uh, are setting up our production rehearsals and we've already been in music rehearsals and uh, man, I'm excited. I just got motivated. Here's what we're gonna do. Somebody in the Facebook comments, leave some one random person in the Facebook comments, I'm gonna randomly pick tomorrow. Uh, no, I'm gonna randomly pick Friday, give you guys time to watch this. I'm gonna pick somebody on Friday and I'm gonna buy you two tickets to the show and fly you to Miami. Oh, nice. Miami. That was a good one, right? I like that. You gotta watch Gary Dunk, B. what do you think? <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> By the way, also real quick, make sure you guys cut out that part where he said you gotta watch Gary Vee let's use that in all promotion. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get, in, let's get into the first question. John, we're gonna, do, we're gonna take some questions uh, from, from the viewers, uh, but how do you prepare while he's making this call? How do you prepare for tours usually? Is it a lot of practice? Is it a lot in your head? Is it physical? Well, I've been Doing it playing for a while. these songs for a long time. So uh, the only things that are new are the songs from the new album. So we had a new album, Darkness and Light, that came out in December, and we're gonna integrate that into the show. How much percentage of new from that album do you think? We'll do like probably seven songs from that album in a 90 minute set. So probably like, it'll be like 30% of the show maybe. Um, so we definitely wanna work in all the old hits and I don't have to practice those as much because <laughs> I've been playing them for a long time. Hello? <laughs> Michael, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and you're on the Ask Gary V Show with John Legend. What's up, man? Oh my God! <laughs> oh my God! You did it, Gary. Yes. I love you, dude. I my love you back. John Legend, this is crazy. <laughs> so, what's your question? So, I am a rapper. Um, I go by MJX Music, and um, I've been watching all your podcasts, just trying to uh, just understand how to brand myself, how to market myself. But it's so hard to be a rapper today because everyone wants to talk about sex, drugs, girls, whatever it may be. Um, I'm freaking out. This is insane. <laughs> um, but um, I, I just, I'm trying to build a following right now. I've been like following and unfollowing people on Instagram. It hasn't worked out to the best. Because it's a tactic. Really Michael, because that's a tactic, right? Like following people and hoping they follow you back and then unfollowing you is, is just very low common denominator, not bringing any value to anybody. And I'm glad to hear that it's not working because it shouldn't work because it's a shit tactic. Well, there you go. So to yeah. me, the main question is the, the music. It, uh, what, do you, what do you bring into the table as an artist? Uh, that makes you special and that's going to make people want to listen because I think the content uh, really 
matters as much as any other tactic you're gonna use. I think the content matters more. Michael, I think this is crazy oh. that you called when we had John on because this is I now. I think it's crazy too. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you why though. Let me tell you why. How old are you? I'm 23. This is perfect, because I'm 41. John, how old are you? I'm 38. Great, so when John first hit my radar a decade ago, or what it feels like, and actually maybe even a little bit longer actually, it was interesting to me, because John came up during a time in music, right, where hip hop and soul and R&B, actually, I thought he was an anomaly. He came like from a different angle, talked about different things in a different way of singing. It wasn't kind of the sound that I was hearing from, it was throwback for me mm-hmm. and he popped because he stayed true to himself. You know, it was really interesting about hip hop when I was a kid, my man, was that in the early 90s, into like 90 to 96, there was so much about being hard, like literally rappers made up that they came from tough places because <laughs> it was the only way to do it. I would tell you that I think you're getting tricked by what's working on Instagram or you're looking at one or two artists, your truth, back to John's point, the music, your honesty and your truth is what's gonna work. When Eminem came out, he spoke about, forget about being white, and, and, and being from the hood, he spoke about depression, issues with his mom. Family issues, yeah. It was super authentic, and uh, honesty is what sells rap to me. Um, I'm always connecting more with artists who speak their truth and do it like in a way that's musically dope and, and in a way that feels like you feel the urgency and a sense of like uh, power and, and, and truth coming from them. And if you give us that, then we're gonna like what you do. Michael, I... Uh, yeah, and I, Go ahead. I, really, I really appreciate that. Like, for me, like, uh, when I was in eighth grade, my, my dad... I'm about to be so vulnerable with you guys right now. When I was in eighth grade, my, my dad was arrested. I had to sell my house, sell all the cars. When I was 15 years old, I had to get a job and just help pay a rent back at home. And I've been trying to use that in my music, and it's yeah. so cool, because I only have, like, I don't know, like, a, a 2,000 followers on Instagram or whatever, but I get a uh, direct message, like, once or twice a week just saying, like, hey, man, your music's really inspiring me. And to me, that's crazy because I, I live in D.C. and there's so many kids out there that look up to these rappers that are talking about guns, drugs, or whatever. But it's just like, I think you can change the world if you can make music that is inspiring kids to be educated and stop the violence or whatever it may be. So that's my goal with all of this. And John, your music has inspired me so much. All of me, I might have that play at my wedding. I don't even <laughs> <laughs> Michael, listen, I think you're barking up the right tree. Here's what I would say. Don't get impatient and don't get frustrated. If you speak your truth, when at 29, you may break through, right? Like, John, talk about your, your you know, coming. So my journey yeah. was, first of all, I started playing the piano when I was four years old. I started singing publicly when I was like six or seven. So if you think about it, my career has been 30, over 30 years of performing in front of people. Um, I was doing it at church, I was doing it at school, and um, by the time I got to college, I went there at 16, and I was singing an acapella group, uh, and I was also directing a church choir, and then uh, I wanted to get a record deal at some point, and I wanted that since I was a kid, but I started to see the path uh, when I got to college, and I started making my first demos when I was like 18, um, I started writing a lot more songs, collaborating with more people, and I thought I was ready to get a record deal then. You know, I had that same exuberance that you have that, that you know, I'm great, why isn't someone signing me yet? And it took me a while to realize that I had to keep working at it, keep getting better, keep writing, and eventually it worked out, but it didn't work out until uh, 2004 when I was 
25 going on 26 years old. And um, wow. so it's a process and you have to be persistent and you have to take constructive criticism and you have to realize that even when people say no, um, that shouldn't discourage you from keeping going and working. Did your, did your nose, did they, did they excite you? I mean, everybody's different. The reason I'm asking you that, like, uh, I, lo- I love no. They were like, frustrating, but. Wasn't it like, was it fuck you, I'm gonna win anyway? I, I, it wasn't an active uh, fuck you. Yeah. It was more like, uh, it was more like, it was more like, um, I believed I could prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also made me think, well, what do I need to do to improve myself? Because mm-hmm. I think you can't just think you know everything already mm-hmm. and you're already great at everything already, For sure. especially at your age. like. There's a lot of things you gotta get better at, and if you're getting criticism, maybe some of the people are right. Um, maybe they're not all right, but maybe some of them are right. And that doesn't mean stop. That means work even harder and get even better. Michael, for you and everybody who's watching, the key is self-awareness and be and doing it your way. For me, it was really fuck you. It was. It was just. It was my way. Yeah. I was looking. I was talking about selling stuff on the internet in the mid '90s, and it was hard for people to buy in. Other people, it's okay, I'm gonna prove you wrong, but what did I just hear from you that could build on? I would say one of my weaknesses is I don't take the constructive criticism mm-hmm. and factor it in enough. I'd rather run through the wall and figure it out for myself, but that's because I know me and you know you, and so I, I would say, Michael, you gotta take different pieces, but patience and knowing yourself are two absolute fundamental formulas for this tough game. Thanks for calling, man. I love Thank yeah, you, brother. Well, real quick, Gary, can I ask you one last question? Go ahead. So. Well, one thing for John. John, I've never talked to someone like this before in my life, so I'm just gonna throw it out there. If I make a dope track, would you consider singing on it? Who, me or John? Uh, it's gotta be really dope. <laughs> like the dopest of dope. We're hanging up after Thanks, that. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> right. Let, while, while Andy's getting the next call, how do you think, I mean, that was very nice of Michael, uh, and obviously that's a Hail Mary, and good for him. Hey, why not? Can, doesn't hurt to ask. How often are you being asked to sing the hook or like collab? You know, I mean, people that have big deals and are real celebrities, I assume, yeah. are in that world. How often is that happening, and, and how, like, do you, how do you even go about thinking about that? Well, the, uh, it doesn't get to me very often Got because uh, I have, have enough, team to enough people to kind of uh, filter through things. Uh, so uh, the chances that it'll get to me are only when it's really serious artists that are you know major level major people. Have uh, you ever reached out to anybody? You're like, oh my god, I sure. love this up and coming kid. I want to put them on. Absolutely. Um, usually, it's not. I want to put them on. It's usually I've already worked with them in some way. Like maybe uh, I've written with them or they've shown sure. me in some sure. way that they're they're talented and sure. worth working Hold on. with. Uh, and then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll say, why don't you work with me on this track? And a lot of times it's more behind the scenes. They're writing, or they're playing guitar, or they're doing this or that. And uh, for me to use, uh, to reach out to someone and try to get them as a featured artist on my project, usually they're pretty established already. Because, you know, why? You're, just, you're at that place. Yeah, I'm at that place where you might as well have somebody that not only adds something musically, but also their Brings marketing value. Sharon? Yes, this is Sharon. I don't know if you've noticed, but this is Gary Vee and you're on the Ask Gary Vee Show with John Legend. Hi, Sharon. I know. Hi there. I'm so excited. Where are you calling from? Everyone's number is scrolling past. I'm like, there's no freaking way. No way. (laughs) Your number was picked. Where are you from? I'm from Downer, Arizona. 
Very Arizona. nice. I'll be in Phoenix soon. On tour? Oh, On yeah. Tour, yeah. Awesome. You better go to the show. I know. I'm like, where and when will I have my kids that weekend? <laughs> Take them. Go to anyway. johnlegend.com. You can johnlegend.com. Uh, <laughs> Sharon, so what's your question? Well, I mean, you're both such, like, big... Good-looking guys. Forces. Oh, definitely. Both Obviously, of you. that's what she was saying. <laughs> you're both strong forces in your industry. How do you stay humble yet strong? You know, you stay humble. I know you stay humble, but you're such strong forces. How do you balance that, those two aspects? Because they're very opposite. Because some people come off cocky. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How do you do that? How do you balance that? Well, I think you have to know what you know and also be aware of what you don't know. And I think part of being smart, part of being savvy is knowing where you might need someone's help, knowing where uh, you're not the greatest at everything. And if, you, uh, if you're confident enough in yourself to ask for help at the right time, it's like the right balance of humility and confidence. Other people have expertise in areas that you don't have them in. Like Gary has expertise in areas that I don't have them in. And... If I'm, and I can't play the piano if, or shit. And if I'm confident, and, but also humble, humble enough to say, here's where I could use some help, here's where I could use some advice, I think it's the right combination. Sharon, I think, you know, I think, I think to John's point, I think when you're ultimately confident, the humility actually comes with it. You know, to me, I think, you know, listen, I think there's also some benefits, and I don't want to speak for John's background, but for me, you know, when you're born with, so little in a communist country when you come here. When I get to watch, the, the, just watching how my parents navigated the first decade of America, no complaining, working 24 seven, uh, not having a lot of stuff. It, you know, it's very, I just, it's impossible for me to forget where I came from. Same with me. And, and yeah. then I would tell you yeah, the other thing. And then, and then Sharon, I'll tell you the other thing that's really caught my attention. Presidents, people like Prince and David Bowie using music references. Uh, other athletes, celebrities, business tycoons. You know, you watch them pass away as you get older and you realize, you know, America mourns for a day or two and then the world moves on, right? And, uh, right. and so for some reason, I've got all time legacy wants and ambitions, but I also recognize, you know, what I actually mean in the grand scheme of things and that's very humbling as well. Yeah, that's right. humbling and I, I think, um... Like he said, when you know where you've come from, and I think we're, we're in touch with our background still, and we, like, we appreciate the struggle that our parents went through to get us the opportunities that we were able to get, and we don't take those things for granted. And I don't forget about people that grew up in my neighborhood and the type of people that I grew up around when I'm thinking about where I am now, even though I'm in rarefied air in a lot of ways. Um, when I think about my politics, when I think about my philanthropy, I'm always thinking about people that grew up in the neighborhoods where I grew up and trying to make life better for them. Sharon, I'll tell you one other thing to keep an eye out for and this is for everybody. I genuinely see, when I see the cockiest or worst versions, I genuinely feel bad for those people because I know it's insecurity. It's a seed of insecurity. That's what it is. Like, they're just, they're putting up a front because they don't want you to get through. I think of them as cactuses. They put up that facade because if you actually get in there, they're quite weak and I feel like the, that, that has just been very obvious to me. And so, I don't know, that's something else to keep in mind. Yeah, it's the same with right. celebrities. It's, it's really the ones that you feel like are having the most trouble with their celebrity are also the ones that kind of put up that arrogant facade. Makes sense. Thanks, Sharon. It's, it's hard. It's, it's yeah, tough. have a great day, guys. You too. Take care. So sweet. It is hard, right? And so, 
So one of, one of, talk to me about that transition of rarefied air. As people are going through different versions of that right now, what was, what was the most intriguing, difficult, easiest, what, was the, what were the, some of the adjustments of going from a place where nobody knew who you were, or was, to now you walk down the streets and people are turning and selfie and yeah. you obviously have a, a very famous spouse as well, so that compounds the entire situation. Sure. It's interesting because um, when you're trying to uh, make music and then make that music known to people, um, fame comes with it and you welcome it, especially at first. Because you're like, oh, they know who I am now, that's great. I want them to know who I am. I make music because I want people to hear it and I want people to know who I am. But obviously there's always some cost that comes with that. That's right. Um, So you give up some of your privacy, you give up some of your anonymity. I can't just walk around and enjoy the city like a normal person can. Um, Do you guys try to do it once in a while and see what happens? We walked around Soho yesterday. How'd it go? Uh, There were paparazzi. We got, (laughs) you know, stopped, uh, you know, for photos. But it wasn't an unpleasant experience. It It was an enjoyable afternoon. And is New York good for fame? Like, like, do you feel like, how does New York handle you well, two New walking York around? It's different because you walk. Uh, there's not a lot of cities. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. There's not a lot of People cities. can grab you. In America, <laughs> where you walk, right. uh, most people drive in, you know, LA or mm-hmm. Denver or, yep. you know, Houston. Um, most people drive. So New York is very different in the sense that you're physically accessible to more people, so you're able to get stopped more. But that's what we love about New York, too. There's that energy, there's that kinetic vibe, that yep. connection that you have with the city. Uh, and uh, as people used to say, well, New Yorkers, they don't give a fuck about celebrities. They'll just, they'll just right, let right. you go. No. Not true. <laughs> if they know who you are, they, they want to talk to but you. But the paparazzi is different than it is in LA, right? It used to be. It's starting to change? It's about the same now. Got it. Like, uh, we're, we're, rent, we're renting a house right now and mm-hmm. they're, they're camped outside of our house knowing where we're going to be. It's tough. Yep. Andy? Yeah. It's Gary Vaynerchuk and you're on the Ask Gary V Show with John Legend. Holy shit, what's how you up, doing, buddy? Gary B. What up, man? How are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you guys? Really good, Andy. Great. What's your question? I got a question. So I, uh, my dream project is called Banjo Earth, and I travel around the world to different countries with a banjo okay. and collaborate with the local folk musicians of each country. So I make a documentary and a CD, and my question is, how do I uh, tap in? I'm keep, I've got a YouTube channel I'm working on. How do I tap into these people who are making uh, TV shows? I want to be like the Anthony Bourdain of the banjo and just make music around the world. That's kind of fun. I like that. That's cool, man. <laughs> where, where are you from, Andy? I live in North Carolina. I love it. So how, how long I have just you... Went to, uh, I just went to China and did one um, last year. I funded it through Kickstarter. And I want to go to Brazil this fall and do another one. Couple things, I'll jump in first and then John, you jump in. One thing I wanna make sure you realize is you want the leverage and you want it to come to you. So instead of reaching out to CAA or William Morris or production companies, because of the beauty of YouTube and Instagram and Snapchat and things of that nature, the number one thing you should be doing, it's far more important for you to be DMing people with a million followers, 500,000 followers in different cities around the country and going and collaborating with them than it is for you to be hitting up a talent agent or a production company to put you on. So what I would do is create the reality and let it come to you instead of you begging to be that one lucky person that broke through because that's a much more difficult game. That's a game that John did win but I just genuinely believe the level of talent and serendipity for that is so extreme in a world where there's other options. So I I would tell you, 
I would spend all my time trying to reach out with people that have audiences either on Instagram or YouTube, reach out to them and say, hey, do you want to collaborate? And you're gonna get one yes for every 987 requests, but that yes matters and you just build on that and if you have talent and you have a unique story, right? The banjo thing right away we both reacted to. Yeah. I would tell you strategically, don't think about becoming Anthony Bourdain. Think about the next Anthony Bourdain is gonna be a food person from Instagram, not somebody that looked like Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, I think I think you have the power because what you're doing isn't expensive to do if you do it domestically first. Uh, you don't have to fly to Brazil first. Uh, you can do a lot of it just around this country. This country is really diverse and, and, and uh, uh, you can just hop in a car and do a lot of this and kind of establish uh, your persona online and establish the, the way you collaborate with people. And then you'll start to get more and more people that are viewing it. And then you can uh, afford to fly to all these other places too. Uh, Andy, I got one other one for you. Yeah. I would DM Delta, Amtrak, JetBlue, everybody, who, you know, Uber, Lyft, I would reach out to transportation companies and say, hey, yeah. I'll make you the official sponsor of my world. So you did Kickstarter. I'm gonna presume that you don't have enough money to travel every day, every way you want to. I would reach out to the Starwood group, like all these different people who can, brands are always looking for unique content so they can subsidize your overhead and so now all you're doing is just, it's your time, right? Because you've got your transportation paid for. I would, that would be a very compelling DM reaching out email. uh, Actual car company. Avis too, or a car that you can drive. to John's point, there's probably 40 to 100 companies that you should be reaching out to or you could start a hitchhiking concept. Like, You need to figure out how to take care of your overhead and then you could really just rely on the collaborations and then you're one minute away from the right person, whether real A-list celebrity or social celebrity with big audience, seeing your stuff, being like, holy crap, that's dope, hitting you up, collaboration. Kodak Black does it because he just loved your stuff and your whole world changes. Awesome, man. I thank you guys so much, Gary. I love everything you do and it's been a real inspiration. Thank you, my John man. John Legend, you're, you're the man, dude. Keep <laughs> up. Take care, man. Play that banjo. John Legend, you are the man. <laughs> so, John, have you, what, you know, while Andy's pulling up another one, talk to me about your real life, not John Legend, John uh, Legend's social media behavior. Do you, as a human, not as the celebrity, do you wake up like like everybody else and uh, go to the bathroom and look through your Instagram? Are I you do. are you like are you hot on Facebook? Like how do you roll I, on? I'm mostly Instagram and Twitter. Um, I do Snap some, but I'm not huge on Snap for some reason. It's just not. I don't doesn't know. Doesn't come natural to you. It doesn't come naturally to me. Do you but, engage uh, with fans? Yes, I do. You do. I write back fans, especially on Twitter, um, yeah. and sometimes I'll comment back and forth with them on Instagram as well, but most likely interaction I'll have with someone is on Twitter. And I'm very into politics as anybody that follows me knows. So a lot of what I tweet about uh, or talk about on Twitter is related to what's going on in the country or around the world uh, when it comes to politics. Have you replied to people in the Instagram comments? I've noticed celebrities, I think that's a real fun one. You know, cool, awesome, got one? Yeah. I love that. Look, I got it, sorry. Now, what, are you ready? <laughs> I thought you were ready. Who is it? Jemai. Well, who's, who? Jemai. Jemai? Okay. I want to get a tweet back from John Legend. I will, I will. Uh-oh, Jemai. Hello. Jemai? Yeah. This is Gary Vaynerchuk, and you're on the Ask Gary V Show with John Legend. What's up, Jemai? Oh, man. That's what's up, man. 
My name is Jemai. I'm an R&B singer. Uh, uh-huh. I grew up on uh, John Legend uh, in high school. It always school. freaks me out when people say they grew up on me. <laughs> I'm <laughs> old now. Jemai, where are you from? I'm from Philly. All right, so you grew up on John Legend, so this is surreal and exciting for you, right? I went to college there. Yeah, it's real and exciting. I'm a singer. I'm an R&B singer from Philly. My Instagram is Jamai, J-A-M-A-I Music. My question is, um, I've been working on, uh, my issue has been uh, uh, creating and not documenting. So I recently, as of like the last couple of days, just worked on like doing uh, Instagram and YouTube covers, like posting them on a regular, just so that people can have new content to come to my page. But um, my question is, I'm uh, trying to get into the college market as an artist, and I'm a black guy, an R&B artist, but I also do pop, so it's a little struggle for me. Things where I've traveled overseas and performed. Um, it's a struggle for me to be identified as some people want to put me in a category of just an R&B, like a John Legend, but I'm really more so of like a Jason Derulo, Chris Brown. I can do both equally. So what I recently started doing was I uh, started, uh, I watched, I think, episode 139, we talked about DMN people, and I basically have been going to every student government uh, college, you know, every student government president, and basically DMing them about yes. like, you know, events that they have coming and things like that. And how's that of going? Of course, not really well. I know you said uh, maybe one out of 900, so I'm trying to be consistent with it. But my question is, I have two questions. My first question is, because I am naturally a versatile artist, I'm naturally R&B, I'm naturally pop, do I need to um, just be an R&B artist for now so that people can... Uh, kind of categorize me and, and be more familiar with me? Or should I be who I am and be the international pop, R&B, EDM artist that I am? And my other question Hold on, is, let's, let's get John to answer that one and then we'll go to the second one. Well, I think because I don't, I think there's already a model out there for the type of artist that you want to be, so I don't feel like there's a limit on you uh, uh, going out there and saying this is who I am. Like, some of our biggest pop stars are people who are black and also make R&B, like Chris Brown, uh, yeah, but- uh, Beyonce, Rihanna. Like, these these people are, like, hugely successful uh, doing exactly what you say you want to do. And so I don't, feel like there, I don't feel like there's any limit on you doing those things because there's a model out there of, of successful artists that have done that. So I don't think it's a hard thing for you to convince someone hey, I can make R&B and pop and dance music. Like, like you said, there's Jason, there's Chris, there's Beyonce, there's Rihanna. All these people make kind of those hybrids uh, of music. And so there, I don't think there's anything holding you back uh, in, in people's perception of what black artists but can do. About, the thing about that is I'm going to cut you off, but I feel like on, on an independent artist level, mm-hmm. um, like it's easier to look at Beyonce, Chris, uh, a lot of those more versatile artists, but on an independent level, most R&B, uh, our most black artists are just like soul. Like they don't, I sure, but, yeah, but you also have to understand, like also have to understand that what uh, those artists have access to when it comes to production and songwriters uh, is a little bit different. So these people are working with the biggest pop producers on earth. They're working with the biggest pop songwriters on earth. And so uh, it's a whole enterprise that goes into making the the the, uh, the music they make. And so you may not be able to make all of that music on your own 
so you might want to find an alliance with a producer that can help you do that. Uh, my alliance was my alliance was with Kanye West when we were both not famous, um, and. Uh, that was a good idea. That was a pretty good idea. <laughs> 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 but 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 I, a lot of those types of artists that you're talking about are very producer driven and so if you are also a producer that's amazing but if you're not you might want to collaborate with someone that can help you do that. And Jemaya just listen and this is coming from the deep deep part of my heart you're in excuse mode right now my man. Like you're like like you're looking for the angle to why not like nothing you said isn't feasible and isn't happening you're just you're coming up with the reason it's not happening instead of just focusing on the things you need to do to make it happen. You excited the crap out of me when you said you've been DMing, you know, uh, schools and college produce, people that are producing the events. Now my question but, is, I and I, yeah, of course you can say anything. I just, I just wanted. To, I think um, I think he misunderstood my. Basically, what I'm saying is, I have like music. I have the production. But as far as the market is concerned for independent artists, like the, the venues and things like that, like when I bring my, my dancers with me, like I already have that. I have dancers. I have uh, all those different things. I have the music, the product. But when I go, it's like the, the audiences are not accepted. And I am really good, but the audiences are like, because of my look, it's like too far to the left. Or, you know, I might wear a fucking latex costume. I think, yo, my man. I think you have to get the audience before they see you at the show. Because if you are creating, you're creating these recordings and, and you're publishing them somehow online, you're going to start to develop a fan base if people like you. And then that way, when people come see your show, they've already listened to the songs a few times. They're not, they've already bought into who you are as a, as a, as a persona and the way you dress and all those things because they've seen it on your Instagram. They've seen it on your Instagram page. So you can't just cold call all of these uh, producers and say, come let me perform at your show when no one at the school knows my music yet. You want to get your music out there so that uh, when you show up, You've already got a, a base. You've already got people that are like, oh, I've followed this person for a year and, and I really like them and I know some of the words to some of his songs and uh, so Gary, I connect this, with them. What is it, Pick Up for the Age? Because that's where I'm trying to get into. I'm trying to get into the market, but I don't have the following necessarily. Well, that's because you're, bl- Jamai, my man, you're blaming the market. Right? You're like they're not they're not they're not seeing it, they're not feeling it. I'm too far to the left. Any artist that blames the audience already lost. Yeah, I think John I'll cool. t- I'll tell you this. You need to put out more music on SoundCloud. You should put out a how much how much music do you have? Like how many songs you got? That goes into my second question. I have I have uh, music on iTunes. I got a few mixtapes and I I've been doing as often I do uh, covers, like yep. official covers. Yep. Um but my my question was about the songs. Was like I have one song that I truly believe in, um, like wholeheartedly, and I just feel like because I'm so versatile, should I push the one song or should I have multiple songs that I push? You, hey, so that Jemai, I push you saw you saw parts? you saw the you saw the piece of content where I was hanging out with Kyle. Did you see that? No, I didn't see that. All right, I'm gonna link it in this episode. You need to watch it. You need to put out music, man. The big advantage now of distribution online is you need at-bats. Don't fall in love with that song. You may love it, the world may, may hate it. You need to put out music. Okay. You need to put out music. Put it out, man, and if people love it, 
it'll start to generate some buzz. Like people will listen to it, they'll share it with their friends, and you'll start what to get more have, views. What if I don't have the money to put out music as often as I would like to, like quality sound and music? Then, then, then you're stuck and you lost like everybody else. You need to figure it out. Like Prince was a janitor in his studio, and, and the so quality cheap now, to make music yeah. Now, like the, the money should not be a problem. Jamai, listen, man. It's really I, cheap to I, make music. I love you, and I'm trying to be kind because John's here. Everything you're saying is backwards. You need to do and work. You're coming up with all the wrong angles, in my opinion. And I'm so pumped you called because I'm hoping that this is the breakthrough moment. Like you need to, so far I heard it's the audience's fault, it's, it's too far to the left, the music's too expensive. You are fully, fully in excuse mode. You can put out plenty of quality music to John's point, it's inexpensive. And if you want it so bad, go fucking work at the studio in exchange for studio time. Like you need to go out and put out music, put in the work, put your head down, and then figure it out after the fact. You need to put out 150 fucking songs and see how people react to it before we hear another phone call from you. Bet, got you. Let's do it. Thank you. I believe in you. You're welcome. Do it. Right, I mean, that was a, like, I love how he ended it. I'm glad he took that punch to the face and said bet. That's what I was hoping he would say. But like, right, that's that's what a lot of people do. They're like looking for like, why not? Like the audience does it? Like it's the audience's fault? You mean the market? Yeah. The market decides. Yeah, the market decides and you have to create something that you believe in, but ultimately uh, people are gonna decide whether or not they like it. And you can't blame them for not liking it. If they don't like it, they don't like it. Zach? Zach? That's right. That's just the way it is. Last one. And there there are ways to, to market things to make people like it more. Of course. Uh, but uh, the content matters. Hello, this is Zach. Zach, it's Gary Vee. You're on the Ask Gary Vee Show with John Legend. Oh my goodness, Gary Vee, how are you doing, sir? Tremendous, my friend. Where are you from? I am from, actually, I, I live in New York City, but I'm in Denver right now. I love it. Say hello to John Legend. Mr. Legend, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? Mr. Legend. Mr. Legend. Hey Gary, by the way, I emailed you this morning. Uh, I sent you uh, I sent you my media analytics platform, but nevertheless. I love it, man. Well, so, I haven't gotten to my email. I'll check it out later. Go ahead. Awesome. Okay, so my question is, is about uh, expectations. You said you had zero expectations, which allows you to essentially, you know, live life a little bit more freely. How I, do you, I have, how do you let's, do that? let's clarify it. I have zero expectations of others because I deploy empathy that they have their own shit going on and their own thing. And so I don't put myself in a position where people let me down because I deploy enormous amounts of empathy to understand they have other variables going on for them. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so, my, so I have my huge expectations is, of myself, right? I like have enormous yeah. expectations of myself. What about your employees? I'm empathetic. Like, of course I pay them and I expect them, but like, like if they don't work as hard, like my friends are like, my employees don't work as hard as me. I'm like, give them a piece of the business. Like, I'm empathetic to what the trade is yeah. um, and some of them grossly underperform what they get paid, others grossly overperform. I'm trying to make sure I'm closing the gap on who's overperforming. I'm trying to move up people that are underperforming, but I'm realistic about it. I'm, I don't get emotional. Everybody, everybody's putting so much on the other person. I worry about what I can do. Yeah. Go ahead, my Absolutely. man. Absolutely. My next question would be: Is I know like with uh, with when you have very high standards, like I had extremely high standards for myself, and so sometimes when I'm underperforming, it stifles my creativity. How do you go about like uh, essentially combining the two, or not letting it stifle your creativity? 
So for me, I don't judge myself. I'm worried about the pre-effort, not necessarily the result. I feel unbelievably satisfied with myself because I know I'm giving it my all and just that is what I'm judging myself on my effort and my tenacity and where my intent is coming from, not necessarily the results that manifested in the short term from those actions. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. John? And I think the what standard, about you? what about you, John? I think the standard should be, did you put everything into it uh, to make sure it was successful? Uh, and, uh, and if you can feel confident that you did that, then you should feel good about yourself. John, in a world where the world gets to judge your stuff, like I'm kind of like doing my thing, but in a world where maybe you fell in love with a song like, mm-hmm. or an album that maybe underperformed, is that difficult or are you able to say, wow, I really gave it my all, it sucks that this underperformed or this song's not doing well or even this album's not doing well. How does that play out for you? Yeah, you, you have feelings of doubt, especially at this point in my career because you know I'm almost 40 and most, hugely successful pop stars kind of peak in their you know late 20s uh, through mid 30s and so you always wonder like are people just going to get tired of you after a while but you had your and biggest song ever what three or four ago. years ago like yeah. three what is it so you, so, mean, so do you 13 do you 14. feel a lot of pressure did you feel pressure when the album came out in december to have a song of that nature or did you realize that was a unicorn? That was a unicorn. I didn't expect any song to be as big as All of Me. I didn't expect All of Me to be as big as All of Me and I don't expect a song after that. Do you expect to never have a, like how do you, I mean I'm actually curious right now. I literally had one of the biggest songs in the world that year and it's nearly impossible to do that uh, multiple times. There's only a few artists that do that. So I. But what's your gut tell you? Do you think you got another one in you? I, I believe I'm gonna keep writing songs for at least 20 more years and I'll have some more really great songs. But again, who knows if they'll ever be as big as all of me. Like, it's hard to be the biggest song in the world. You know what's crazy about, <laughs> and you know what's crazy about all yeah. of me is like, I don't know, every goddamn wedding for the rest of time is yeah. gonna have a good chance of having that song somewhere yeah. in that playlist. Yeah. And like Love Me Like now, Dunk's gonna dance to that at Love his me wedding. Love Me Now from this album did very well. And, and it did? Like pre All of Me standards, it was like one of my biggest, biggest songs. Hit. Yeah, but compared to all of me, it's like, wow, it, it didn't do as well. Man, let me give you a good piece of advice. For the people that work for you, for the people you work for, for yourself, judgment is dangerous. You need to be reactionary. Too many people paint pictures to themselves that they can't live up to. And I think accepting yourself is extremely important while pushing yourself. And they're positively, they're obviously opposite energies, but it's important to find that balance because if you go one way or the other, you're gonna fall off, off kilter. Beautiful. All right, my man. Uh, thank I you. Have, I have, I have, thank you. Thank you. Take care, guys. Take care. Take care. John, thanks for being on the show, man. Of course. This was fun, pleasure. right? I had a great time. John, you get to ask the question of the day. Any question you want. Thousands of comments on Facebook and YouTube to give insight. Anything you're curious about at a macro, at a micro. Any question of the day, but the guest gets to ask it. Fire away. I'm asking you. Nope. The universe. Oh, asking the universe. You get oh. to ask them any question you want. I like this. I'm glad to see that you've been watching the 250 episodes of the Ask Gary Vee show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you get to ask them any question you want, macro question. It's a good consumer insight thing if you want to know where trends are going or things of that nature. What are people into, like artists, technology, or trends? Or how many concerts do you go to in a year? Dunk. Probably two. Suze? No, three, four, four, two, four. Tyler? Like, I don't know, like 10? I mean, this is the most I've ever gone. Like, 30 D-Rock. Thank you. Like Shake. 40 or 50. 
Well, you go to 40 or 50 concerts a year. Yeah. You're our favorite consumer here. <laughs> it's hardcore. Who do you see the most? Uh, fish. Oh, so you're a, one you're of those. A, like a dead like head fish person. Of course. Yeah. That's so what, I like, knew that it had to be something like, like that. Jam vibe. Yeah, five. Yes. Five. I may go to zero. I'm very weird with concerts. I'll go to one. I used to go like two or three, honestly. Yeah. Then I'm my own. We went to yours in Brooklyn. Yeah. That was so much fun. That was a great night. John, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. You keep asking questions. We'll keep answering them. Guys, thanks for listening to the audio experience. Two things, one, make sure you're watching my vlog on YouTube, and two, hit me up on the DM. It's going down on the DM.